Welcome to the Fast Forward Business Podcast. Today is the 29th of April 2021 and I am Justin Spencer Young. The subject of today's podcast is titled, What is Wealth? Wealth can be viewed through the lens of an individual and a society, but I think they're slightly different depending on which lens you look through. Through the lens of an individual, wealth is more a measure of time than income. The wealth of an individual should be measured as the amount of time that you can maintain your lifestyle without having to earn an income. So a big salary earner does not imply a wealthy person because soon as there's no salary, there's no lifestyle. So the accumulation of savings and investments over time is what leads to wealth. Through the lens of a society, Many people think that wealth is a number of units of currency that they have in their bank account or their savings and investments. But really, wealth is a measure of the goods and services that you can buy with your unit of currency. So here's an obvious example. A billionaire is stranded on a deserted island with his briefcase of millions of dollars. But his money can buy nothing on that island because there are no goods and services. So therefore, his currency has no value if there are no functional goods and services that can be bought with that money. The functional benefit from goods and services is the wealth, not the currency unit. While we're often fixated on our own individual wealth, Individual wealth is in fact meaningless without a community that produces things that we ourselves cannot. Wealth should be measured based on the productive efficiency of a community or society or country. Productive efficiency requires principally three components. So one, is there a market or a need for the goods and services And this suggests that the people find those goods and services valuable and therefore are prepared to pay for them. The second component is the ability to scale up production as a result of this demand for goods and the ability to earn more currency units that can ultimately be cycled back into the economy to produce more goods and services. And the third component is over time, that we can produce more goods and services for a lower cost. And this closely connects to innovation because innovation is often about making the product or service better or becoming more efficient in the process to take cost out of it. I feel compelled to explore Amazon as an example. So Amazon provides productive efficiencies through or by virtue of the fact that they get products to you faster than the traditional brick and mortar model. So that is productive efficiency. But without the original product, Amazon doesn't have a role to play here. Without someone who produces the books or the other goods and services that Amazon sells, what is Amazon? They are nothing. Now I'm excluding their Amazon Web Services from this because that's a different business model and I'm just kind of trying to keep it simple for now. But because Amazon produces nothing per, per se, it's really just a channel 
through which to move goods and services and admittedly a very efficient channel and i would argue that we have already benefited from the bulk of the productive efficiency that amazon has provided to certain societies and for amazon to remain relevant they need to continue producing more productive efficiencies in the supply chain model and often that actually requires that they add new products to their logistics network because they are suffering from something called diminishing returns there is only so fast or there is only a limited amount of productive efficiency that can be gained from getting a product to a customer faster so that's an interesting perspective because they are a delivery mechanism rather than the manufacturing mechanism behind goods and services so the next progression here is for me to talk software because in the context of software that appears to be the new hotbed of productive efficiency writing a piece of code to help simplify a business process is of no doubt a source of productive efficiency it leads me to ask if microsoft is creating productive efficiency now i would say that we have largely absorbed the full benefit that comes from the traditional suit of consumer products that are produced by microsoft being the likes of word and excel and powerpoint etc and more recently the move to a 365 business model as they call it and a cloud environment has created marginal benefits which are effectively a form of productive efficiency because the delivery of the software is more efficient the payment mechanism is also more efficient so there's an innovation that is key here to ongoing efficiency especially when a community has become fully saturated with the benefits from the product or service so there's this relentless process of evolution it's both for human beings and for society and the competitive advantage that one has it is fleeting as it continually gets eroded away as we ourselves pursue productive efficiency but so do our competitors creating wealth should perhaps be a conversation about creating productive efficiency as a south african wanting to build wealth like many other south africans i look around and i ask myself how are we as a society working towards productive efficiency and here are a few questions that we need to ask that relate to this so the first question is are we incentivizing investment in new production orientated businesses production orientated is important because it's not necessarily service orientated or the recycling of existing products it is new products produced on our own shores question number 2 are we attracting high quality skills to help innovate existing products and services the attraction of these high quality skills is fundamental to creating product efficiencies question number 3 are we producing and retaining high quality skills from our education system question number 4 are we attracting capital flows into long term investment and my fifth question here is are we developing more efficient processes to help overcome the bureaucratic burden now i'm not going to answer these questions now 
there's a conversation required around each of them. And I'm going to leave you to ponder these five questions. And in future podcasts, I'm going to explore them. But for now, I'm going to share a simple piece of anecdotal evidence. If I compare my recent experience of having to renew my driver's license to the experience of my good friend Dave, who is having to register as a taxpayer in Holland because of his recent immigration there, the driver's license took me a whole day. Tax registration took Dave two hours. One of those processes was done almost completely online from here in South Africa. It just required a short visit and a collection that took some 10 to 15 minutes once arriving in Holland. The other process, the driver's license renewal, required a full day of standing in queues and getting sunburnt. I'll leave it to you to guess which is which. As a final point, I would suggest that the reasons why Dave has emigrated relate to some of the questions above. Specifically question one about how we incentivize investment in new production oriented business in South Africa. I don't think we do incentivize that. And hence why many of our skilled folk leave this country. And I think also Dave's need to emigrate relates to question number three about how we retain high quality skills in South Africa. And in both cases, I would say the answer in South Africa is no, we don't attract or incentivize investment or retain our high quality skills because we are distracted by other ideological issues. So as I wrap up this podcast about what is wealth, I reflect on whether as a country we are really interested in creating wealth or if we are just getting sidetracked in the politics of victims and blaming and not getting on with the job that's required as a society. That saddens me. We'll see you on the far post.